you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. But while we're waiting in the shadows, we've got to do something else, and that's what this message is about today. Amen? So if you will, now this is Loud Sunday, right? Okay, so you're going to talk back? Yeah, you're going to talk back? Okay, who's going to help the, the, the deacon out back there? He's, he's loud. Why, why is it the deacons are always the loudest ones in the church? I never understood that. The deacons are always the loudest ones in the church. So let me get comfortable. Turn to Psalms chapter 118. Psalm chapter 118, verse 17 and 18, and this is where we're going to get started today. Psalm chapter 118, 17 and 18. And then hold your finger there, turn right, and we're going to go to the book of John, the book of John, the, the, the gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. I'm hearing a lot more pages turn. I love that sound. When you get to Psalm chapter 118, 17 and 18, say, I have it. If you need more time, say, wait. Okay, so did I hear wait? No? Okay, we're good. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. Um, the Bible uh, reads in Psalm chapter 118 and 17, it says, I shall not die, but live. Come on, make that, make that your confession today. Put your hand on your heart and say, I shall not die, but live. Come on, I shall not die, but live, and proclaim or declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me, not, not, not chased you. There's a difference between chasing and chastening. <laughs> he ain't chasing you, but he will discipline you. That's the word discipline, amen? The Lord has disciplined me severely. Do you feel like you've been severely disciplined? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of straps myself. But check this out. He has not given me over to death. Somebody say, that's good news. That's all I want to read there. Let's go to John 10, 10. Very familiar passage of scripture. John 10, 10. John 10, 10. Yep, 10, 10. John 10, 10. Now, now if you watch Christian television, you, you know this scripture very, very good. Yeah, you know that, right? You've heard it. But maybe you heard it a little differently. <laughs> all right, when you get this, I have it. So John 10, 10, so, oh, somebody said, wait, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. I got those discerning ears. <laughs> All right. John 10, 10. Ready? All right, praise God. It says, the thief. It does not say the devil. Now, if your Bible says the devil, raise your hand. But if your Bible says the thief, raise your hands. Okay, it says the thief. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life. Somebody say he gives me life. But see, Jesus does not stop there. A lot of Christians stop with just getting saved. That's life. But Jesus says, there is a lot more that I want to confer to you, but you got to come and get it. Salvation is free. 
but the anointing will cost. Everybody's not going to be anointed just because they're saved. So when you see an anointed man or an anointed woman of God, you best believe they paid a price for that anointing. So you just can't lay hands on people and think you're going to get the anointing. Now, the way I like to tell people, say, oh, Pastor, I just want your anointing. Okay, let me lay hands on you so you can almost lose your mind. Let me lay hands on you so you can lose your house. Let me lay hands on you so they can come and take your car. So you can go through some stuff. Is this making sense at all? He said, I am come to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. See, that's the part we need to live in right there is that more abundant life. We should not just stick to getting saved and then now we got somehow, we got this old Christian mentality. Oh, I made it. Praise God. I'm going to heaven. No, no, there's a lot more work for us to do. Amen? So today, I want to talk about get busy living. Get busy living. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your word today. I ask you to anoint my tongue to be the pen of a ready writer, to write on the hearts of your people. Speak to our hearts today. Let us realize that you have so much more for us to do. It is not over. It's just beginning. And Father, I thank you. But what you're going to do in our lives is going to be tremendous. And I appreciate you waiting on us enough to get us ready for that next level. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. There's a movie that I love watching. Maybe you have seen it yourself. Uh, it was called Shawshank Redemption. Uh, the title of this message came from actually this movie because let me give you a little backdrop on this movie. I love movies. And this particular movie, it, uh, well, it starred Morgan Freeman. He played a guy by the name of Red. And then Anthony Robbins played a guy by the name of Andy Dufresne. Now, Andy Dufresne, he was a white guy. He was a banker in Portland, Oregon, or I'm sorry, Portland, Maine. And he was accused of killing his wife and her lover. Hallelujah. And so they, uh, 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 <laughs> I maybe shouldn't have said that too loud. <laughs> not, not, you know, that, that you shouldn't be killing folks. But, you know, some stuff can just drive you insane. Amen. I, I, I just had a mental moment and I thought about her being with another man. That, that, hey, hey, you know, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll take him out and then preach the funeral. Praise God. All right, I'm coming back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all got to help me out. Hallelujah. So Andy Dufresne, <laughs> he was a banker in Portland, Maine, that was wrongly uh, incarcerated for the death of his wife and his wife's lover. Now, Andy experienced what a lot of men and women experience in prison as it relates to being uh, um, sexually abused and things of that nature. A lot of things happened to this man, and he was in prison uh, for something that he did not do. Well, there came a time when he and Red, Andy and Red, was in the courtyard of the prison. It was almost about 26 years later, and uh, they was having this conversation. And Andy was talking about what was going to happen or what he was going to do once he got out of prison, right? So his mind was not institutionalized. Uh-huh. Because his mind 
was way beyond the prison walls. So his thought processes was not what was inside the prison. It was his, his thought process was what, was what he focused on outside of his prison. Hello, somebody. And so he began to tell Red this story about he wanted to go and find this little place in, in Mexico and, and buy this hotel and, and fix up this boat. Uh, so he had, he had a dream. See, see, Andy wouldn't allow what he had to go through behind those prison walls to take away his dream. Hello, somebody. And so he was telling Red this story, and Red had been in prison since he was like a teenager, and now he was an old man. So he, his whole life almost was spent incarcerated. And so when Andy began to tell Red about this story, Red couldn't quite understand why Andy wanted to think about what he wanted to do after he got out because Red had become institutionalized, which means that Red didn't feel like he could cope outside because he didn't understand how to be free. <laughs> uh, see, that there's a lot of people who don't understand how to be free. Uh, they've been institutionalized by culture and culture has put them in a little prison box and they don't know how to operate in freedom. So as Red began to tell Andy that he didn't understand, he didn't feel like he could actually cope outside. He didn't feel like he could make it outside of the prison walls. He didn't feel like he could make it outside of depression. He didn't feel like he could make it outside of debt. And I can't make it outside of confusion and misunderstandings. I can't make it outside of unforgiveness and hurts and pain. I can't. I, I, these walls got me encapsulated. So guess what? You, you're going to be paralyzed. And you can't do great things for God because you allow your circumstances to paralyze you. So anyway, Andy looks at Red and he made this profound statement. He said all of this boils down to just a simple choice. He said you either get busy living or you get busy dying. This movie came out back in the 90s. That one statement stuck with me ever since I saw that movie, hasn't it? I, and, I, and I quote it a lot, but this is the first time I ever preached on anything about this, about get busy living. And I want to come in here this morning to tell some of you that although you might be on the shelf right now, it may seem like you are in the shadows right now, but it's time for you to get busy living. You shall not die, but live. Your dreams shall not die. But live. The anointing that's on your life shall not die. But live. The ministry that God has called you to shall not die. But live. And you have to get busy living or you can get busy dying. Now, the choice is going to be yours because Jesus came to give us life. But that more abundantly. Is this making sense at all? So, in other words, saints of God, are you merely just existing or are you truly living? Because we can go through the routine of life, get up, brush our teeth, get dressed, go to work, come home, cook, eat, go to bed, get up, brush your teeth, <laughs> get dressed, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, get up, get dressed, then brush your teeth. So you kind of change it up a little bit. 
Praise God, you do get dressed, go to work. And it becomes routine, doesn't it? And you can look around and your kids go from 2 to 20, and you're trying to figure out how in the world did we get from here to here, and the wife and the husband, they've been raising the kids through budgets and basketball and soccer and track and all the stuff that keeps us busy. And while you're trying to go to one track and the husband taking another child to another track, and then you come together, get something, go to another track, and then all of a sudden the kids are 20, and you're looking at each other like, who the heck are you in my house? Because you can go through the routine of life and you can vicariously live your life through your children. Now, I say this because Elaine and I, we get a horrible opportunity to talk to people who are ready to make, get a divorce after they've been married a long time. Right? And that's what happens. You, you don't really, you don't continue to connect. See, we have to continue to get busy living. See, I, I, we've raised our kids. They're, they're already grown and gone. Well, almost. They, they never leave. Y'all know that, right? It's a, it's a noble thing, but they're not going to leave. They're going to always come back. Praise God. They always, I'm glad mine is not here because she'd be giving me that stank face right now. So, but they, they come back. How, however, guys, if, if we, <laughs> yeah, but if Elaine and I didn't live, I mean live, have fun, a good time. When I say live, I'm talking about you're not supposed to be some little boring Christian. I don't nobody like boring. Who like boring? Who just like to be bored? I don't think nobody here like to be bored. Ain't no way, ain't no way our life is not bored at all. I mean, anywhere. Right? So, so we have to get busy living as Christians. We're not supposed to be boring Christians. We can go and have fun. We can go out to the movies. We can go out to dinner. We can laugh. We can joke. We can have a good time, saints of God. We're not supposed to be walking around like we all this anointed stuff. I'm so holy. I'm not supposed to laugh at jokes. There's something wrong with you. You ain't holy. There's something wrong with your head. You, nobody's going to be all holy all the time. You're not going to operate in the anointing all the time. We can be human. Amen? We, we meet people all the time and say, oh, man, you got, really? Are y'all pastors? For real? Y'all just don't act like pastors. Well, I'm not sure what that, what, what, I, I, don't know what that I don't know what that means. You know? Because we, we're only acting like who we are. See, when we became pastors, we didn't try to have some type of pastor's voice. Hello, everybody. <laughs> or live this life. That's why she don't like, even like to be called first lady, because that's, that's Michelle. She's in the, the bigger house than what we're in. <laughs> Amen. And so, because we're, we're just people. But listen, we love to have fun. If you get close to us, you'll know that. You get real close to me, I'll, 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 I'll joke on you quick. But I got to get to know you first because I don't know how you handle stuff like that. <laughs> and then you might say, well, Pastor, I thought you was holy. Why are you joking? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So is this making sense at all, saints of God? And so, so listen, th this is what I want uh, to get to today. I want you to not let the agenda of culture or man or society to keep you encapsulated in some type of man-made institution. Because if you don't watch it, your whole focus is going to be on what people are doing in society. However, 
you got to ask yourself, and this is what I, this is a personal thing, and I'm not trying to preach today. I just want you guys to listen. This is more of a conversation that I'm having with you. But, but I had to realize when I began to see certain things happening in, the, in society and in our nation today, I always, it always comes back to me, and I don't know why God does this to me, but maybe he does it to you too, but it always comes back to me. And, and God says, what are you doing, John? I got that. What are you doing? I would like to take you to them, but I can't because you're not ready. See, that's how stuff comes to me. It's, it's very personal for me because God is always bringing me back to what am I doing personally? Before I can point out any flaws in anyone else, I have to make sure that I look at the word of God so that the, the word of God becomes a mirror to reflect my own flaws. See, you're not supposed to go to the word of God. I know sometimes we, I know we do. I'm going to go to the Bible. I'm going to get a word for her because I'm going to get her. She's on, she gets on my last nerve. I'm going to go to the word, and I'm going to go to the word. I'm going to get a word for her because there's got to be something in the Bible. I'm going to slap on her because the Bible says. Well, that's not yet. You're going to preach it, bro. Go on, preach that thing. I woke him up. <laughs> but you're not supposed to go to the word to try to get a word for somebody else. You go to the word to get a word for yourself. Hello. But how many of you ever gone to word to get a word for somebody? Be honest. You did too? Mm-hmm. Me, me too. I have. I've done that before. But we're not supposed to do that. So let, let me give you a scripture here. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. The word reign is a very fascinating word because it means to exercise the highest influence or to control. So in other words, the, the Apostle Paul is saying, don't let sin control your body, that you should obey, in, obey it in its lusts, and do not present or yield your members. Members is like your limbs and what you're doing. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members instruments or weapons of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not on the law, but under grace. Somebody say, get busy living. See, you can allow sin to, to put you in a prison. See, there's another scripture that Apostle Paul says that what you obey, you become a slave to. Remember reading that? That means if you obey your flesh, you become a slave to your flesh. And, you, and, and, and after a while, you can become institutionalized by your sins, by your, by your flesh. And this is what happens in Romans chapter 1, saints of God. I'm trying to give you something here about what's going on in society today. There, there's only the truth and there's a lie. You can either believe the truth or you can believe the lie. It's totally up to you. There's no lying truth and there's no truthful lie. It's either the truth or a lie. You cannot be a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're either going to have a child or you're not going to have one. Amen? You're either black or white. You ain't, you ain't both. Well, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oops. Yeah, well, that's... that's you can fudge on that one right there a little bit, right? Amen? <laughs> so, so, so listen, so th this is the deal. You either believe the truth or you can believe the lie. Now, John says the truth sets us free. Over in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says the truth sets us free. So listen, listen again, I'm just having a conversation with you. If the truth sets you free, 
what does the lie do? It binds you up, right? And so when we look at people who are riddled in sin, those are people who believe the lie. Because if they truly believe the truth, they would be free. So let's take this home to the church because there are a lot of people who are in church. I heard, I heard a little, I heard a little laugh back there, right? Because we're supposed to be free in the church. I said supposed to be, but it, it, it could, could it could, riddle me this, Batman? Could a Christian in the church be institutionalized? And not understand how to operate in all of the freedom of Jesus Christ? Yeah, it, any one of us can get caught like that. Are you here with me? All right, so, so listen, the Bible says don't let sin rule over us. I know I'm talking about sin. I know that's never an easy subject to talk about. I know it. I know it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Everybody breathe. Come on, breathe in. Breathe out. I know it's a tough subject. I know it is. I know it is. I can see it on your faces. Y'all looking at me like, man, if you don't move on. But I'm going to stick right there to sin because my skin is not my problem. Sin is the problem. See, the problem is not racism. The problem is sin. See, listen, there's no way you're going to get rid of racism without getting rid of the sin. It's not going to happen. Another president, another policy, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you put in place. Unless you deal with what the root cause is. And we as, we as Christians, I read some of the stuff that's out on social media for people who call themselves Christians, and I wish they would just, yeah. I was wondering where the kids were because I didn't want to say the word because I know you're trying to teach your kids not to say that word, that, that S word, that shut up word, right? But, but some of them need to just, just stop. And they need to go back to the scriptures. And you, this is our filter. My race is not my filter. Because my race don't matter in heaven. Now, now I can talk about it because I am the subject of somebody who's had to deal with racism. I'm from deep down south. I'm from Mobile, Alabama. You can't get any more south than that. Otherwise, you're going to be in the Gulf of Mexico. I have dealt with racism in my face. I know what it feels like. I can talk about it. I'm from a low-income place. I can talk about it. But what I don't like is when people who are high society trying to talk about a place they've never been. I understand that people make choices. And I'm not going to patty cake young black men. When I got out, they can get out too. It's a choice. And the moment we wussify our nation and not command that we live better, pull our britches up. Oh, for the sake of being politically correct. The problem is we have been politically correct. And we're not taking a strong stand on what's right and the righteousness of God. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, it says that righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. So if you don't deal with the sin, all this other stuff is null and void. That's why the church needs to get back to using the Bible as their filter. 
I just put out a statement on Facebook. It's already got one, over 1,000 people viewed it. And not one person has said anything negative because I did it in love. Now, you could say something negative about it, but it came from the foundation of love. But we still have to take a stand on what's correct, saints of God. But listen, you're not going to change anybody if you don't know how to love people. That's why we got to get busy living to love. Now, I know this is not exciting. You'll think about it on the way home, though. At least I hope you will. If you don't, I mean, that's okay, too. Luke chapter 7. Let's go there. Let me get in the crux of this, and I'm going to give you three points, and I'm out of here. Luke chapter 7. Somebody say, get busy living. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got a choice to make. You can either get busy living or get busy dying. Now, what choice you going to make? Mm-hmm. What did they say? <laughs> Did they say they're going to live? Praise God. I hope so. I hope so. I hope you live because God has so much more for all of us saints. And that's why I am so excited because I know that, that there's a scripture in the Bible that says that God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. How many of you ever prayed that over your life? Yeah, you ever prayed that over your life? Okay, uh, uh, has the window opened yet? I ain't seen it either. I've been praying that for years. I haven't seen it yet. But just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. So how do you build your faith? You continue to exercise that muscle, that prayer muscle, right? Because there's no way you can build muscle without resistance, right? And your body is so smart, it's so intuitive, If you continue to do the same exercise for a long time, your body gets used to it, and you can't build anything, so you have to change up your exercise. That's why God changes things up on you. Because although you might have faith in one thing, you may not have strong faith in another. So God wants your whole body to be healthy. So so he he will allow things to happen to build your faith. Hello, somebody. Are you seeing this with me here? Because there's no way you can have faith if you've never gone through anything. I mean, at least, I, 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 I don't think so. Because my faith level, see, listen, let, let, me, let me personally hear. I, I, I pray for healing, and I believe in healing. I believe in all of that. But when, when that doctor said I had cancer, it took my prayer to a whole new level for people with cancer. And see, I wouldn't be able to relate to other people that has had cancer if I had not gone through it. I've gone through the radiation. I've gone through the picking and the poking and the prodding and the going through machines and all that noise and stuff. Y'all don't talk about MRIs if you've ever been through one. I hate that thing. That's a loud thing. That thing just drives me crazy. And I'm I'm a military guy, so I don't do well in closed spots. I'm just being honest. I don't do good in clothes. When I got in that little donut thing, I, was, I, I almost lost it. Y'all think I'm a big man and everything, but shoot, boy, I was like about to cry like a baby. They had to get me out. I said, hold on, hold on. You got to back me back up out of here. They said, Are you all right, Mr. Lofton? I said, no, I'm not okay. I said, just give me a second. <laughs> and they had me wrapped up like a cocoon. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. You, if you ever been through that thing, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They had you all wrapped up in a cocoon, and man, I got midway in that thing, and I was like, uh, 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 hello, who, who, what's your name again? I know you hear me out there. You better pack me back up out of this thing. And so they actually had to undo my arms. I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. I was, about, man, I was gonna have a panic attack, right? So they, they're not supposed to, but they allowed at least my arms to be outside that blanket. I don't even know why I'm telling y'all all this. I just lost it. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just gone right now. I don't even know why. I, why am I telling you this? I have no idea. Faith. So, so if I had not, see, I knew the Holy Spirit would get me right back, right? So faith, if I had not gone through, I couldn't talk to you about what was going on inside that thing. I can just tell you what somebody said, Right? But I've been there. And so my prayers are different because now I've had to exercise my faith in that area. Is, is that making sense at all? Because, see, there are some people, everything that you're going through, can I encourage you for a second? Let me just encourage you for a second. All the hell that you're going through right now is not for naught. You're going through it because somebody else will too. And notice I said you're going through it. See, David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. He didn't say I sit in the valley or wallow in the valley. So don't sit there. You got to get busy living. You can't stay in your valley. You got to keep on walking. It will get hard, but you keep your feet moving. And eventually you will get out. And once you get out, you watch how many people God sent to you that has been in the same spot you just came out of. Why? But now you can relate to them. And you can go, mm-hmm, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Been there. You've been there too. Yes. Guess what? The anointing. See, the anointing won't drop on you unless you've been through. I'm trying to work this thing slowly. Is this making sense? So listen, don't pray for the anointing. Pray that you get through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you're not going to get it until you get through it. Say, Lord, help me get through it. Come on, come on. Lord, help me get through it. Because what you're going through ain't easy, is it? All right, where was I? Well, I looked somewhere. Luke chapter 7, where I'm going here? I'm trying to figure out where we're going. Luke chapter 7, okay. Is this making sense at all? Listen, because, listen, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to preach today. I just want to talk. I get sick of preaching anyway. I just like talking because I'm good at talking. I like to talk. <laughs> Y'all know I like to talk too because you're looking at your watch right now, Pastor. You need to wrap this thing. <laughs> all right, let me wrap it up. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. I know y'all hung. I heard somebody's stomach earlier. So Luke chapter 7. Verse 11, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. I'm going to go ahead and read while you turn there. And then we're going to talk about this lady in the city called Nain. He said, now it happened the day after, and I'm going to talk about the day after in just a second, that he, uh, being Jesus, went into the city of Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he, Jesus, came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, and um, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So, um, um, I'll talk about that in a minute. 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Somebody said, don't weep. He said, do not weep. Then he, Jesus, came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Verse 15, so he, the dead man, the man who was dead, sat up, and he began to speak. And he, Jesus, presented him to his mother. 
So the first point I want to make here, we're going to go back uh, to verse, verses 11 and 12 because I want to paint a picture here, and I want you to get this picture, and I'm going to tell you the point in just a second. So when it says it happened the next day after, the next day after, the day before, was when Jesus ran into the centurion. And let me try to pull all of this together. When most of us know the story, Jesus ran into a centurion, which was, which was a Gentile. He wasn't a saved person. He wasn't a Jewish person. He was, a, he was a Gentile. And he asked Jesus to save or to heal his servant who was back at the house. And, and so Jesus said, well, I will go to your house. And the centurion said, no, no, no. My house, you, you, no, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Man, this is, this is amazing when we see the picture here. But if you just speak the word, are, are you here with me? So this centurion had so much faith, he said, Jesus, I don't need you to come to my house. I just need you to speak the word. Are you seeing the picture here? He said, if you just speak the word, my servant would be healed. Because I know what it means to be set on authority. So Jesus said, I had not found this kind of faith in all of Israel. This was not a Jewish person. This was not a Pharisee. This was not a scribe or a Sadducee. This was a Gentile. And Jesus says to this Gentile, I have not found this greater faith in all of Israel. And the Bible says this servant was healed without ever Jesus going to the house. The very next day is where we pick up the story. Are you here with me? So now, i got to paint the picture here for you. Jesus and his disciples, they're praising and worshiping God because of the healing that just took place. So you got Jesus. He's coming with the worshipers and the praisers. they dancing. they having a good time. And they're praising God because of the healing that they just witnessed, right? So they got a crowd of people praising and worshiping God. But in the city of Nain, you got a crowd of people mourning and disgusted because of the death of the son. So you got people on this side with their heads hung down in sorrow and in pain and hurt and, and disgust and confusion. And they're walking towards the city gate. But on this side, you got people praising and they're bringing Jesus. You're getting the picture here. So when the first point I want to give you here is that praise permeates your problems. So over here, you got people that had a problem. But over here, you had the praisers. Glory to God. And so when praise permeates your problems, things change. Come on, somebody. You hear what I'm saying here? So Jesus says, don't weep. It's going to be all right. If you just praise your way through this, everything is going to be fine. There's no problem with this. Jesus says, don't weep. He said, you just praise your way through. So the praisers are around these people, and he began to touch them. And what happens is when you bring an atmosphere of praise and worship in an atmosphere of your problems, the problem may not change, but you will. Because, see, it's about the attitude of the worshiper. Because what praise and worship does, it changes your perspective. 
Glory to God. So that's why we love praise and worship in this house, because sometimes we come in here with some big issues, and we leave with them. Why? Because you didn't praise it. You didn't praise him enough to make your praise bigger than your problem. So you walk right out of church with your same old problem, and you didn't change, and neither did your problems. So the onus is on whom? Somebody say he's talking about me right now. So you got to let your praise permeate your problems. Praise your way through it. Come on, saints, praise your way through it. Praise your way through all of that pain and everything that you got to go through. Praise through it. Worship. Get on your knees sometimes. Lay on your face sometime if you have to. Do something different. If you want something you've never had, sometimes you got to do something you've never done. And you always worship the same way, always pray the same way, but you're not getting any results, then that's insane. And you're going to have to change it. Maybe God is trying to get you to flex a different muscle. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't have all the answers, but I know the person who does. So the first point is, let your praise permeate your problems. Second point. Jesus said in 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the coffin. Praise God. So the second point is let Jesus touch your coffin. See, the coffin is anything that the devil will use to try to bury you in. Uh, let me let that sink in for a second. The coffin is anything that the devil will use to bury you in. Uh-huh. See, this coffin, it could be a coffin of debt. It can be a coffin of pain. It can be a coffin of depression. It can be a coffin of guilt. It can be a coffin of confusion. It can be a coffin of regret. It can be a coffin of unforgiveness. It can be a coffin of bitterness. It can be a coffin of sickness. It can be a coffin of grief. But whatever the devil tries to use to bury you, if you just allow Jesus to touch your coffin, Though the weapon will be formed, but it will not prosper. Why? Because Jesus will change the situation if you allow him to touch it. Uh-huh. Because everything that Jesus touch, it comes to life. And what we have to do is allow Jesus to touch that area in our lives, which means we have to be exposed. And be honest with him and give it to him. Somebody said, Jesus, touch my coffin. Whatever it is that the enemy will use to bury you, you know what it is. It's that one thing that you pray about more than anything. It's your coffin. The devil tried to bury her in the coffin of an accident. But Jesus touched it. See, when Jesus touches your coffin, Everybody has to stand still. That's the next point, and that's the last point. Because if we continue to read, after Jesus touched the coffin, the Bible says that everything stood still. Over here, he says, um, verse 14, it says, Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. 
So when Jesus touches something, the enemy has to stand still. It cancels the assignment of the enemy. Can I give you some word on it? Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God turned it for my good. Uh-huh. See, that's the word on that, right? So, so when you allow Jesus to touch it, he can turn it. But if you try to hold on to it yourself, and I can do this, I got my plan, I got my B and my C and my D plan. God says, okay, I can't touch that because that's your plan. But if you allow him to touch it, he can change it. Because when he touches your debt, he turns your debt into prosperity. Right? Because he transfigures and transforms things. Amen? So if you allow Jesus to touch your pain, he turns your pain into pleasure. If you allow Jesus to touch your depression, he turns your depression into determination. If you allow Jesus to touch your guilt, he will turn your guilt into freedom. If you allow Jesus to touch your confusion, he will bring your confusion into a place of understanding. If you allow Jesus to touch your regret, he will turn your regrets into vision. If you allow Jesus to touch your unforgiveness, he will turn your, your situation into mercy. If you allow Jesus to touch your bitterness, he will bring your bitterness into joy. If you allow him to touch your sickness, he will bring healing. If you allow him to touch your grief, he will bring delight. If you just stand still long enough for Jesus to touch you in that area, he said, I can transform it and I can turn it for your good. Is this making sense at all? So somebody said, Jesus, touch my coffin. Somebody say, stand still. But you got to stand still for Jesus to touch your coffin. Let me give you a scripture on this and I'm out of here. It says, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17 says, you are not, you are not, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and O Israel. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I got one last point. I gave you point one, which was let your praise permeate your problems. Point two is let Jesus touch your coffin. And point three is the last point, which you can see right here in verse uh, 14. Um, 15, I'm sorry. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. Now that one right there uh, was amazing to me. Because my third and final point is don't just get up, you got to speak up. See, that's why we got to get busy living. See, it's not enough just to get up, we got we to gotta speak up. Amen? And so, so another translation, uh, uh, you can look in the New Living Translation, uh, right here it says arise, but in the New Living Translation, Jesus says get up. Get up. I'm telling you right now, get up. I'm going to get country on Get up. Why are you wallowing in the valley of despair? Get up. Why are you wallowing in your pain? Get up. Why are you wallowing in your depression? Get up. Why are you wallowing in your confusion? Get up. Why are you wallowing in grief? Get up. Why are you wallowing in unforgiveness? Get up. Why are you wallowing in bitterness? Get up. Why are you wallowing in sickness? Get up. Somebody say, get up. Yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, get up. Yeah. See, that's why we got to get busy living. We got to get up from our perpendicular position, laid out on our backs, allowing the enemy to defeat us. When he's already a defeated foe, let Jesus touch that area in you that he needs to touch. But you not only get up, you got to start speaking up. 
See, you got to start telling people about your testimony. You got to start telling people how Jesus delivered you. You got to start telling people how he healed your body, how he delivered you. You got to start telling people how you had nothing and you went to something. Now you're back to nothing and now you're into something. Get busy living in the house of God. Because God can take you from nothing and put you on a platform that you don't have room enough to receive all of the blessings that God have you. He said, listen, I, if you give, it will be given unto you. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Somebody say, get busy living. See, I don't know about you, but I want a running over blessing in my life right now. I want goodness and mercy to run me down. I can't get out of the way of money because I'm attracted to it. And it's attracted to me. See, 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 listen, what you don't respect, you repel. If you disrespect money, you'll stay broke. Listen, and nobody in here is poor. That's how we say it in Bama. Just, we just took the other O-R out. I'm sorry. It's just, that's our language. Poe. Somebody say Poe. None of you in here are poor. You might be broke. That's the difference between poor and broke. Poor means you're just not going to do any better. Broke means you just don't have any money. I ain't never been poor. Or poor, let me get right. on People be listening to this recording. <laughs> yeah, I've never been poor. But I have been broke. I've been broke. But broke don't make you. If you get busy living, broke will make you learn something. The greatest inventions came when people were broke. And most people who invented anything went broke trying to invent it. Let your brokenness turn your situation into a blessing. Hello, somebody. Because if you allow Jesus to touch your coffin, he'll bring it all together for you. And then you can be a blessing to somebody. So don't just get up. You got to start speaking up. See, we, we got we to we get busy living, saints of God. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.